Nice. All right, so uh, welcome to uh, the fourth episode of the uh, Miscreants podcast. Uh, I'm joined by Ben. You know, nothing much has really happened. Uh, we can just start with the story. What um, what happened? Yeah, I'm. Well, like, I need I need your insight on this. Uh, perhaps you know more than I do. But earlier today. I have a Snapchat account, and I'm uh, somebody requests my to be my friend. It's someone named uh, like Lisa. Never heard of them, but you know I just blindly accept all my uh, all friend requests because I'm a fucking idiot. And she uh she she messages me and says, "Hey, now what the fuck is that supposed to mean?" And and you know I ask her who she is. She says like I'm from the University of of Maryland. I don't. I've never been to the University of Maryland. I don't know anyone from there. And uh, she then asks me like, "Hey, do you like nudes?" And I said no. And she sends a picture with her tits out, and you know, and then tries to give me a joiner only fans. And I just said, "Nah, dude, I'm good. I don't like whores." And then block her. But so it's it's not a very good story, right? But I. I need your insight here. How the fuck did this happen? Well, um, first of all, I, I thank you for uh, seeking my wise counsel. <laughs> but um, my um, I, I think there's probably more than a fifty percent chance that this is an like automated sex bot because I have a lot of experience in the uh, you know, Facebook shit posting forums, and you know. You, you get tons of friend requests from, you know, obvious bots. And you don't realize it at first. But when you get, like, you know, 100 friend requests, you're like, okay, like, all of these women are bots. So I think that's probably the case. You know, I, I was thinking that she was a bot. But when I uh, when she asked if I wanted to join, like, her, her premium or whatever, and I said no, she responded with why. And that seems like a human response to me. Yeah, perhaps she's a human. But... I don't know, like, does she have any, like, familial, or is she, like, a mutual friend or something? No, that's what I'm wondering, is, like, do you know if they've got, like, lists of people or something out there, or... Yeah, it is bizarre that, uh, especially on Snapchat, since it's kind of like, you know, you only really see people there who are your personal friends, so... I don't know, maybe she knew you and you didn't know her, or... I don't know. She looks like 40... (laughs) <laughs> i don't know maybe she maybe she's your why is she why is she going to the university of what maryland i think that's yeah, probably a no fabricated idea. story i mean she works at the university of maryland that see a... like what when people randomly friend when someone randomly friended me i i at first thought that there's someone who like i had swiped left on on tinder who had then followed my social media links i have and tried to hit me up from there but yeah. Then I realized I don't have Snapchat on my Tinder, so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'd still venture to say that, you know, I it, it might just be someone from, like, Russia or India or something that's trying to scam you, or... Because maybe that would explain the human response, but... I mean, I know that it's a scam, right? I mean, women, women use their, their bodies... To extract wealth from fucking vulnerable teenagers in the West. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you probably just did the right thing by uh, blocking her. You know, you, you can't have that shit in your life. Besides, 
you know, there's tons of like internet porn. I don't really get the point of, you know, accepting yeah, nudes. See, I just I don't understand it. People will spend their whole fucking life savings on on someone's OnlyFans. I just don't get you. Google big boob, and there are two billion results. <laughs> exactly. I guess they want sort of a like personal connection, despite there really not being you know any. Yeah, there, there's the personal connection is you are being exploited by this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they I mean, are, they are using their their siren song to to lure you into the uh, rocks. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Maybe they know that subconsciously, and maybe they even like it. Like, maybe they are, like, masochists who like being, you know, exploited by women or something. But, yeah, I mean, for alpha chats like like ourselves, it's not really something which we can comprehend. I, I keep seeing it. I see this in leftist spaces all the time where people are saying, like, like pay for your porn. It's, it's moral. Fuck you. I will not. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, aren't these the same people that say, like, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism? It's like... Yes! Well, I mean, what makes this kind of consumption any different from, like, you know, buying something from a store or something? I'd say it's fucking less ethical than, like, buying something from the store. Because, like, I mean, you're fueling the sex work industry, which we all know is extremely exploitative and degenerate. Yeah, exactly. I mean... It's just this ridiculous, like, you know, double standard that they do with, you know, sex work. Because I think most leftists, they aren't like, you know, like, they don't read and they don't actually have a, you know, coherent, you know, worldview. It's just kind of like, they just kind of want to revolt against, like, uh, like the norms that they grew up with. So, like, you know, like marriage or like, you know, the sort of ostracization of sex work. Like, they, they don't really care about what those things mean in a grander, you know, context of society. They just kind of care what about, you know, this is something that I grew up with that I don't like, so I'm just going to, you know, abolish it. Yeah, you know, the more, I, the more I look into the, at least the Western left, I don't know if it's as big of a problem in, like, uh, the third world, but the Western left is extraordinarily disappointing. They are all soy cucks, man. I don't know what happened. Yeah, and they're not... I, I'd say that the left is, you know, they're pretty much, like, handmaidens of capital at this point anyway. Even if they call yeah. themselves, like, anarchists or, like, you know, communists, like, they really serve the purposes of, you know, the... I hate using this word, but I guess the elite, you know? Mm. Well, you know, I think I think it's a lot worse with anarchists because they tend to not know anything. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing. Like anarchists, you know, they call themselves anti-capitalist, but in reality, what they are is anti-state. You know, they they don't like support you know abolishing the police or whatever because you know the police are like an arm of like the capitalist you know structure they support abolishing the police because it's they're dogmatically like anti you know anything coming from you know the state at least that's what i believe yeah i think they have a very pathetic and weak way of looking at the world you know like uh when I read them like condemning the Soviet Union as a, a fascist autocracy, it makes me weep. It's like this is the most pathetic 
analysis of history I've ever seen. And anarchists are over are the over are probably uh, outnumber tankies and Marxist Leninists by a lot, and they are all extremely soy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- that's the problem because we kind of like live in a so- we live in a society which yeah. you know kind of like venerates weakness, like. You know, yeah. it's not like, you know, how much of a chat, how much, you know, you own, you know, life. It's how much you're aggrieved, how much, you know, you're oppressed by society, which, you know, determines your worth in this world, or at least your worth in the eyes of anarchists. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a great passage from the uh, first couple of pages of the book, The Republic of Fear, uh, where they talk about, like, how the glorification of victimhood. And if, well, you know, there's absolutely nothing good about being a victim. Uh, being a victim doesn't mean that you're a good person. It doesn't absolve you of any any moral crimes you commit. People who are victims today can become perpetrators of violence tomorrow. And yet, you know, everyone seems to want to be a victim. I mean, you look at the right, and they claim that they're victimized because Aunt Jemima bottle is getting changed. <laughs> You look at the left, and they claim that they're getting oppressed because they have to pay for two airline seats when their ass is too big, you know, when they're too fat to fit into one. Everyone wants to be fucking oppressed. I don't... Yeah. I think the mentality is that if you... You can, like, uh, blame your personal failings in life on someone else. Yeah, I mean, as Zizek said, uh, this might not be verbatim, but proclaiming your powerless gives you an immense amount of power, you know, it's like, because everyone will be coming to your aid. I mean, that's why there's like all of these, you know, white people, which, you know, adopt these like, uh, like, you know, identities like, oh, I'm, I don't know. I'm like non-binary, maybe uh, I'm yeah. non-binary or I'm, you know, I don't know. Uh, what's another one. I, I don't even know the words of these people, but there's a lot they, of made up internet garbage, uh, that they identify with. Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, like, being transgender, like, that's, you know, um, like, you know, not, I wouldn't say awful in the sense, like, you know, you shouldn't be that, but it's, like, awful in the sense that you suffer a lot for it. Right. But, you know, some of the time, it really is, like, you know, people just, you know, appropriate, you know, these kinds of movements just to, uh, you know, uh, make themselves be included in these victim groups. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I really like, you know, that the the people who are, like, trans, you know, I, I fully support, you know, trans equality and shit and them, you know, not being discriminated against in housing or healthcare or whatever. But a lot of them just make that shit their whole ass identity and then they wonder why nobody can put up with them. Yeah, and I hate to use the word uh, mental illness. I don't think, like, being aggrieved with that kind of thing, you know, makes you a bad person. But honestly speaking, you know, with all the trans people that I've spoken to, they have, you know, a lot of, you know, deep problems, you know, which aren't just limited to their gender dysmorphia. That's true. They're very often, like, perverts or they're depressed or they're... And, you know, it's not... It doesn't make you a bad person to be depressed. But, you know, they have... I feel like um, in some cases it's just kind of like they're generally uh, sort of, uh, they feel displaced by our current society and, you know, they attribute it to something like, you know, well, I'm, uh, I guess all of this, uh, all of this, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, 
pain I feel is, you know, because I've, you know, been living as the wrong gender. And, you know, that might be the case for some people, but, you know, I think that oftentimes people are quick to make that kind of conclusion. Yeah, you know, I don't want to be like a, a g- genetic essentialist here or anything or a genetic determinist, but I have to wonder, like, how much uh, the the whatever genes there are for gender dysphoria are tied with, with genes for, like, say, autism, because we know that there's a correlation between being autistic and being transgender. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're probably, I, I you know... I don't know if there's any studies or anything, but there probably is a correlation. Maybe, it, like, uh, do you know if there's any, like, correlation, like, any, like, empirical correlation between autism and... Yeah, um, there trans- is. I think it's, like, yeah. 16% of transgender people are autistic, something like that. Yeah, and I think much, like one, much higher than the general population. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, 1% of the general population or something, right. yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's probably the case. Anyway, um, anyway, let's, uh, I guess let's segue to something else. Uh, so what about, uh, Chaz? What do you think about that? Oh, fuck. You're, you see their community garden yet? I know, and it's this kind of thing where, like, they don't need a garden. Like, they're no. probably ordering all of their food off of Uber Eats or something. It's like, it's, this is a point that I heard on the What's Left podcast, that it's like a cargo cult. They're establishing all these things, which, you know, they think they, you know, like an anarchist commune would have, like a garden and, like, road barriers. Because road barriers are made for, like, urban warfare, you know, as cover yeah. to hide behind. But these people aren't going to, like, fight the state, so they don't need road barriers. I think the state literally moved in a few days ago and they put up zero resistance to it. I think the police, like, reoccupied their building. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, they it is a cargo cult in the sense that, <laughs> that yeah, they they just set up shit like, you know, like that they think would be in an anarchist commune, like that they don't actually like, you know, need. I mean, okay. I, there's one thing about like setting up a commune like deep in the woods or something, you know, like yeah. I guess I can endorse that, you know. It's like you want to get away from society or whatever and establish your own. But these people, like, want the best of both worlds. Like, they want, you know, to be free from, like, the uh, sort of, you know, pressures of the state, but also to, you know, have everything that's kind of dependent on our capitalist society. Like, you know, they want to have Uber Eats and they want to have electricity and they want to have, you know, water and all this stuff. Yeah, you know, I think at the beginning it was a, a really, like, cool little space but the problem is all these fucking larpers came in and they they kind of think of themselves as like the next Macno or whoever the uh catalonian leaders were and it's like you're not all you did was set up basically an occupy space you you've not you're not challenging the state the state can move in at any second and do away with you instantly you're never going to become self-sufficient and a lot of people there understand that but also a lot of them don't uh, and the group that doesn't are uh, ruining it for everyone else. Yeah, I mean, it's something, you know, which I, you know, I guess, you know, I I wasn't ever, you know, hopeful for it. I just kind of thought, okay, these are like anarchist LARPers. I don't really care. But, you know, just seeing them and seeing how, like, pathetic they look. Like, even if they did know what they were doing and they're actually stab- establishing something that was, like, 
competing with the state or like dangerous to the state like what i realized it's like would i want to live in a world like that you know a world where you know like there's a bunch of like you know like pink haired fat like fucking <laughs> feminists like roaming around and like no. yeah i mean be suppressed yeah this shit really like you know the modern left really turns anyone with like a brain into like stalinists or or yes. like nozbles i mean that's what happened to me is like i see all these these like fat rights activists who are overwhelmingly anarchist and i'm like fuck that you know like i cannot deal with them i have absolutely no tolerance for for woke shit for for language policing or any of that yeah, I mean, and it's like these people aren't, you know, like working class people. Like they, uh, you know, they're like, you know, people that maybe just graduated from college and, you know, they're like PMC douchebags. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and they're kind of like depressed that, you know, the economy isn't the way that they were told it was going to be when they were young. And now they're establishing this kind of thing. Like you're not going to see anyone who is like working in a coal factory or something in Chaz. Well, I mean, because the average income of the area is one hundred and ten thousand dollars a year. Yeah, exactly, that's and one of the reasons. Ninety-seven percent white. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why it's also going to fail because there's, you know, an incentive for real estate developers to, you know, gentrify that property. So they probably are just going to get the state, you know, to kick them out of there if they already haven't done that. I think they're. The state is going to move in, like, any day now, because, like, now someone died. Like, there was a shooting this morning. Uh, yeah, there, didn't someone call fires. the cops? Somebody called the cops. I don't think they actually showed up. The ambulance, an ambulance did show up uh, at some point. So, like, you know, there's not going to be any, like, evidence collection or anything, because they haven't set up institutions to do that shit. In the Chaz, they didn't think that far ahead. In the Chaz ethno state, yeah. But I mean, it's this kind of thing. It's like, and I know right wingers often like like to you know play the victim or whatever. But I mean, can you imagine if like a white nationalist state was set up in the same area and like they are like, okay, you know, no, no minorities allowed, you know, no Jews allowed. Like, you think that the state would let that survive for more than like ten minutes? I, I bet they'd murder everyone in there. I actually, I, that did happen uh, in Leith, North Dakota. Yeah, I, but I mean, I guess that's true. But, um, but you know, that's not like a, as important of an area. That's just kind that's of like, like this is um, this is like prime property, and you know, one of the major like uh, cities of the country. So. I honestly well, think they they'd go in there and they'd probably just kill everyone there. Well, you know, to be honest, they would do that because white nationalists would probably pose a bigger threat to them than a bunch of like fat rights activists. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and what does that say about the left that like some like you know, like white nationalists who say they support capitalism are a greater threat to like the capitalist structure than, you know, these fucking losers? I look at uh, I look at like the Proud Boys now. Now, the Proud Boys are not. I'm just gonna straight up say it. They're a evil fucking group of people. But these people are all fucking jacked, and they know how to use firearms, and they're willing yeah. to to die for what they believe in. Yeah. And I look at the left, and and these people have not worked out. And I just recently started working. Out. I got a personal trainer because I I realized 
I can't criticize the left for being a bunch of weaklings who who have absolutely zero intention on ever doing a revolution if I don't get jacked myself. And but like you know, just any rational state would conclude that the Proud Boys are a bigger threat. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I fucking hate the Proud Boys, maybe even more than I hate Antifa. But I mean, you have to acknowledge that you know, like the right does pose more of a challenge to the system than the left. I mean, that's why you know someone like Tucker Carlson, who's like you know a, you know like multi-millionaire is you know the advertisers are pulling out you know well you know fuck i mean people always say like antifa hasn't killed anyone yet so it's good and it's like fuck that i mean antifa i mean adam waffen division is killing people we should be fucking killing people who are you know billionaires or whatever yeah exactly we should be i'm not gonna name names here because i don't want to be you know (laughs) shot by them but i mean um yeah, we should, you know, set up assassinations of these people, honestly. I mean, as yeah, Joker... You want to actually pose were, a threat. Take yeah, out John Bolton. Yeah, take out, or, you know, some billionaires. I mean, it's like, come on. Give me a break. Like, 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 like how is, like, saying, oh, we haven't killed people, like, how is that a good thing? <laughs> like, that just means no. you can't kill anyone. It's like, you, you haven't killed any, any civilians, and that's good, but, like, you know, the fucking, uh, all the... the communist groups in the uh, 80s in Europe were, were killing people. And yeah. it was sick. They were killing, like, Nazis and shit. Yeah. And, and politicians. Yeah, I mean, all Antifa did was beat up that fucking Asian reporter. I for, I don't remember his name, but... Um... Andy, non-governmental organization. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and, you know, the media went crazy over that, but it's like... That was a I think I mean, that the Reichstag fire. That, that was really the, the only fire. good thing Antifa ever did. That guy is such a goof. I mean, come I on. I think, like, like that shit, I feel like it was a false flag. Because, like, Andy got, like, uh, he was on, he said they got a brain bleed, traumatic brain injuries. And then he's on, like, Joe Rogan two days later. Oh, looks no. perfectly fine. Uh, yeah. I think it was a false flag. I don't think it actually... I don't think he actually was injured. Um, so the one good thing that Antifa did is <laughs> it didn't actually happen. Well, yeah, but like the Trump regime seems to think that Antifa's a threat, though. Like they're they you see that that Facebook ad buy where they're buying all those ads with the upside down red triangle. I mean, this might like you know sound racist, but it's not Antifa doing um, like most of the rioting. It's you know pissed off black people who you know like um, you know have you know been you know like out of jobs and you know have been you know pretty much just been like you know destitute for years. I don't blame. I mean, yeah, that's not racist at all because I think I totally support it, man. Like. I don't fucking blame black people who have been, like, hunted for sport for for years for being fed up with this shit. The riots are, like, d- have died out now, right? Yeah. I-, I find it funny that, like, this is how it goes. Like, it's just kind of like, like, back in the day, the state, you know, came down with an iron fist on riots. Like, back in uh, 92 in the L.A. riots, they just, you know, like, three days later, they called in the National Guard and they just quelled all of it. <laughs> 
But here yeah. it's just kind of like everyone just walks away and gets bored after a week. It's like, yeah, maybe well, that's it. Yeah. I always say this. Like, I think the, the reason why America can never get shit done is because Americans have the attention span of a goldfish. Uh, you know, with, with gun reform, we talk about it for two weeks and then we just get bored of it and give up. With with police brutality, you know, a big event happens, we talk about it for two weeks and then we give up. Healthcare, you know, something bad happens, we talk about it for two weeks. and then, Like, all of this is just Americans not being able to focus on one thing for more than ten seconds. Yeah, absolutely. It's like... And, you know, you think about this stuff and you think about how, like, politics is just like a revolving door of, like, certain cultural issues. And you're like, what's the point of, like, democracy? Like, wh- wh- who is this serving but, like, billionaires? I honestly, I think that you could have, I think, like, you know, in a, let's say a socialist state, you could have a functioning democracy, but you would require that the population isn't, having their IQ capped at 70 by the media. Yeah, well, I mean, I honestly, like, don't believe in mass democracy in general, honestly. I I do believe in some form of, like, indirect sort of, like, democracy where the people, you know... I mean, most in, people do. Like, um, some something like the Great People's Republic of China. Maybe That's not cool. the People's Republic of China, but, like... I don't know, like the Soviet Union, because wasn't it like there were a bunch of like, uh, like Soviets, you know, yeah, I mean, like, like Stalin wasn't directly elected. He was appointed by the Politburo. Yeah, but those, you know, institutions were kind of downstream from institutions which covered a greater portion of the population and then you know, yeah, so right. on and so forth until, you know, I, I believe Stalin. in something like that more than I believe in, you know, like this sort of like bourgeois democracy where people just vote for whoever, you know, becomes the president. Yeah, I've, I've praised uh, the Soviet democracy before. Stalin actually wanted to make it like more democratic. Like he wanted like a multi-candidate elections and for the higher levels in the Soviets to be directly elected. Um, but like I really like I like the Soviet method of democracy because in order to decide on a candidate to run in the general, like the only people who have a voice in that are people who actually show up and have like a discussion with uh, their community. Yeah, you can't. You don't have like apolitical dumbasses uh, coming in and deciding the candidate. Yeah, and you talk to the average person. I mean, this is a Winston T- Churchill quote that the greatest argument against democracy is a conversation with an average voter and it's like they don't really care about like you know really like deep issues and really important like political issues like like vote based on which candidate they think is nice or is you know better looking and i don't that, blame them for that as who, a, could, who could you know focus on all this political bullshit yeah right I and mean, that's how yeah that's uh sorry for interrupting you but that's how people like vote for bush is that uh they would prefer to have a beer with him. Yeah, I mean, and it's the same thing with everyone. I mean, uh, when I go out to vote, I'm not going to vote like based on policy or whatever. I'm I'm going to vote for Trump because I think he's funny. <laughs> like that's literally what's going to happen. Oh yeah, I mean, like that's pretty much the only thing that sets him apart from Joe. I'm not fucking voting for Trump though. I mean, I can't bring myself to, but uh. 
Oh, I'm fucking voting for like Gloria Lariva or something. Some, so my vote's not gonna make a difference. I know this, but yeah. it wouldn't if I voted for Joe either. Well, you do live in a quote-unquote swing state. I so. do, but like the March is never like one vote. Yeah, I suppose that's true, but like the outcome is is fixed regardless of wh- who I vote for. Yeah, I suppose that's true in a sense but i mean um it does you know, like um i think you sh- i think that people generally should view themselves as sort of um a part of a greater system so even if they individually don't affect something they should still sort of you know think of themselves as part of it and still i, I don't believe in like voting or whatever but i just think in the no, that's true i also uh, I think that the greatest democracy ever that, like, balanced uh, uh, direct and representative democracy really well was the uh, uh, Libya under Gaddafi. Oh. I can't pronounce its name. Yeah, um, I'm not really that aware of it. I mean, I've shit posted about Gaddafi and how he's, like, the best person ever, but honestly, I'm not really that awake on, you know, the uh, internal uh, internal polit- politics of that place during his reign. No, I don't know that much about it either, but, you know, I just know that, uh, you know, the president did not have, like, all that much power in that, that system. They didn't, invest, they didn't invest all their power with, like, one guy, which is smart. But, uh... You know, a lot of the, the especially the lower level, uh, the, the state was, was very much, like, divided uh, into the uh, autonomous regions, which I think is smart. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, like, people had a lot of influence over their own lives there, while also not being able to, like, I don't know, bring back slavery or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people, um, I think people have kind of given up on this idea of the Arab Spring, you know, seeing that, you know, slavery has been brought back to Libya and, you know, every place that has had democracy, um, that, you know, became democratic, quote unquote, is, has really just turned into, a, you know, another autocratic state, maybe with the exception of Tunisia. But That's what I was going to say is Tunisia seems to be like the only success there. Yeah. You know. This kind of idea of, like, overthrowing dictators and establishing, you know, democracies there, it doesn't work. And I don't even think that's really the intention. I think the intention is sort of just to get a state which is subservient to, like, U.S. or economic interests, really. Yeah, I mean, like, who was backing the the Arab Spring protests? They were not just like this... The mass of people... Uh, don't just like challenge alone. Challenge the the extremely powerful states that exist in like I don't know Syria. You can't do that alone. At least not as far as I know. So you need the CIA to come in and the CIA. Yeah. yeah, and the most like powerful factions, you know, who are opposed to you know at the time the mostly secular dictatorships of. The Middle East were like Islamic factions. I mean, we saw this in the Syrian civil war where people are talking all the time about the moderate rebels if there's, as if there's anyone in Syria like fucking reading John Locke and, you know, Rousseau and like being like, oh, that's really good. I believe in liberal democracy. Like, no, it's they're mostly Islamists because why would they read anything Western? That's pretty much foreign to them. 
Yeah, no, like, I think there was a study that said, like, like 60-something percent of so-called moderate rebels are actually jihadists. Yeah, so it's cool. like, you know, your choice in Syria is basically between jihadists and, you know, this secular Assad. I'm gonna go with Assad every time. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it, it just lays bare how the, no one really cares about, like, the democracy of the places when... You see Saudi Arabia, which, you know, has probably the most, like, reactionary, uh, you know, system in, you know, the entire world. And, you know, they're pretty much the America's second greatest ally, so. Right. Because of their oil, massive oil reserves. Oh, was it? Like, we fund something like 70% of the world's dictatorships. You know, Turkmenistan is a close trading partner. You don't hear much about them, but... They're considered like the most one of the most brutal regimes on earth. Uh, yeah, Saudi Arabia, uh, a bunch of other like horrible dictatorships that I cannot think of right now are just totally subservient to uh, America because we exploit them for their resources. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of those Gulf states, those those weird Gulf monarchies like Qatar. Yeah, I believe Qatar is actually kind of broken free from the mold like uh i believe uh something happened where like al jazeera wrote an article like not you know um not so critical of iran and then saudi arabia sort of uh uh like uh reconsidered the relationship with them i'm not sure how it is nowadays though but yeah with most of the gulf states yeah and the weird thing about some of these gulf states particularly uae is that they, like, sort of try to establish this sort of, like, American ideal of wealth and status in cities like Abu Dhabi and uh, and Dubai. Like, that's always been a bizarre practice in my eyes. Yeah, I think Abu Dhabi, like, like rubs me the wrong way, man. <laughs> like, I look at it, and it looks like something that, like, uh, you know how they build those little villages or, or little areas for people with dementia so that they can live out their 50s so that they can live out the 50s again uh, i'm not aware of that but all right, yeah, go yeah, on. Well, all right so they build out like little you know villages or whatever so that people with dementia feel more at home and that's what like these these places in the gulf these weird cities remind me of they're like uh just pale imitations of like the uh, uh, what is seen as the ideal city uh, one day is just totally ornate oh, more more than needed uh, it, like, it feels like an alien built it trying to replicate the American yeah, exactly. ideal I mean I, whenever this shit and a lot of people like it actually too which just shows that a lot of people just have no taste but I mean it's like when I see this shit in like fucking movies or something I'm like this looks like fucking garbage. Like it, it's not good architecture just to make really tall buildings that look nothing like it. Well, that you know don't fit together at all, and you know, just look nice. That doesn't make a good city. Well, yeah, but they build that shit because they think it. They think it uh, represents wealth, you know, and it looks fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's something which you know kind of really depresses me because it's like okay, we were ruled by, like, transnational, like, you know, completely unaccountable elites. 
And, you know, to compound that, these are elites which have completely no taste. Like, they put up these awful-looking fucking buildings, and it's like we're just supposed to live here and there. I think uh, Amber from Chapo had an article in Current Affairs about, like, you know, the elites, they have fucking awful taste in literally everything. Uh, I mean, like, you look at, at what they buy, and it's like, man, why do we entrust the wealth of society in these people? I see yesterday, like, uh, earrings that are, like, literally just blades of grass on a loop, and it's $3,000. Yeah. Like, this is what the rich spend their money on. They are not, like, smarter than the rest of the population. Yeah, and it's not even with their, only the rich elite. It's, like, you talk to, like, 90% of college students, and they all have the same, like awful taste like you talk to a college architecture student and they show you some like you know weird like wavy building which just like looks nothing like its surroundings and they'll tell you that's the pinnacle of architecture and i'm like oh great so if these elites ever die there's you know a thousand more of them to come come (laughs) and you know replace them with their same awful taste yeah you know uh we all know that the actual pinnacle of architecture is brutalism I think brutalism sometimes looks good, but generally... Oh, it does. I mean, yeah, it's sick. I generally support brutalism when it actually fulfills its purpose of building something which strictly uh, is utilitarian and doesn't really have like as much aesthetic concern. But I don't really like brutalism when it's like this weird, like these weird shapes like morphing together. It's like, is that really the point of brutalism? I'm parked next to a brutalist building right now. It looks sick. Like, just, uh, you have to build them in the right place, too. You know, like, this one's, this one's on the water. It looks cool. It's like a little apartment complex. Yeah. I mean, for most, like, uh, whether the movement is literary or architectural or, you know, some other third thing, it's... Like, you can't really, like, lambast, like, an entire, like, movement, you know, like... You know, there's good things in almost everything, except for like mo- like I-, I guess brutalism is modern. I guess postmodern architecture, because I think all of that just looks like shit. Like you know, the shit in London, like the Shard, and you know, even something like Burj Khalifa, which I don't think looks very good. It's like none of this stuff looks any good. I like the I like the ones. I think it's in London, or maybe New York. No, it's not New York. It's uh, I, th- I forget what it's called. It's called like the Walkie Talkie. And the way the sun hits off of it, it, like, literally melts everything around it. It's like, yeah. that's, that's good architecture. Fucking take it down. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I'll, um, I'll see if I can find some pictures of, like, some awful architecture, but it's, like, sometimes it's, like, man, these are the people that are going to be building our buildings in the future, and it's, like, right. Yeah, most modern architects needs to be like like round up and shot. I look at the uh, look at the suburbs. This is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I mean it's they make my me sick. Yeah, I mean it's my personal belief that there's like too many people in college. People always talk about like free college or whatever. Like, no, I just want a society where people can you know like live you know decent lives with you know doing what. And, you know, being happy, I don't really care about them going to college. And, you know, 
When you see most people who are going to college, it's people who, you know, don't really have any taste, who aren't really that smart, and it's like, well, why are you going here? This is such a waste of resources. You know, well, I mean, having free college doesn't mean, like, uh, you know, you have a massive influx of people going, like, in East Germany, you know, they had free college, but they also had, like, like pretty stringent standards for getting into it. So as to keep the teacher to student ratio pretty low, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, if you if you couldn't go to college, if you didn't get in, you were guaranteed a job and like a and you were given training. It's not like they just left you to die like we do. Yeah, I mean, college shouldn't really be viewed as a necessity. And, you know, this was this goes back to the Chas thing where one of their demands was like uh, like free college because, you know college you know means so much in the modern economy i'm like you guys are anarchists and you can't even think outside of this like liberal economic frame of like oh we need college because college is important for getting a job like if i were them i'd say don't make college so fucking important you know that shouldn't be the pinnacle of you know economic success yeah no i mean i think like in the current economy you know it probably because you look at people who have a bachelor degree versus people who don't and the people who don't are just like all killing themselves uh i think like at least in the current economy it's it's necessary to have a college degree but yeah i mean that shouldn't be the case yeah absolutely i mean with college i mean like, and there's also this sort of, like, culture around college where it's, like, oh, college should only be for the case of, like, for, for the purpose of, like, getting a job. I'm, like, that really shouldn't That's be, not- you know. Yeah, and this is the sort of model that a lot of Midwestern states have taken, including Illinois and uh, probably even your state, but Indiana more, more I think so. But, so. Yeah, but they invest all of their resources into, you know, STEM, and they completely ignore liberal arts. And I know, you know, you and I probably don't like liberal arts majors that much, but it is something which is really important, you know, to oh, teach. Yeah, I... yeah, go on. Oh, sorry, my bad. You gotta stop me if I'm interrupting too much, but, uh... No, it's fine. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, I'm gonna be a philosophy major. Uh, that's not, like, a job. You know, that won't get me a job that's, like, a, a high earning or really all that productive. And I'm like, I'm fucking like discouraged from that. You know, they tell me you gotta, you gotta go into one of the, you're pushed when you're in like high school, you're pushed into careers that make a lot of money, stuff like that. Like, you know what? Maybe consider for one fucking second that money isn't the only goal in life. Yeah. I mean, what like, we- and the main problem with it is that some of these things are so boring, like, Something like computer science, which, you know, I've taken a lot of classes for, and I think I'm pretty decent at it. It's like, it's so soul-destroying to, you know, look at it, and it's like... I agree. I don't really want to do this. I don't really care if I get a job in it. Yeah, I mean, like, if you get a, a, you know, actually, it's like Chris Chan has a a degree in uh, computer design. But, uh, you know, if you get a job in, like, one of these, these... awful soul-crushing occupations you're gonna end up staying it for 40 years if you don't kill yourself first and you're gonna look back on your life and be like this was a fucking waste i spent most of my waking hours doing something i hated 
chasing that the dollar because I was told that that's what I I should be going after. Yeah, exactly. And it's like this like whole chase for the bag thing. I mean, I guess I kind of understand it. It's kind of funny and memey, but it's like it really does kill you sooner or later. This is one of the reasons why people have told me that you know. Uh, computer science or whatever is like a bubble that's gonna burst and I'm like I hope that's true because I, d- I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy to you know have a job in fucking computer science yeah I mean like my uh, my father always used to tell me you know you can't take it with you you know you you have with regards to uh, your wealth you know you spend your entire life working on on building up wealth and fortune and then, like, you, at the end of your life, you know, you can't take it with you, and you look back, and you're like, I, I accumulated all this capital. I never fucking enjoyed myself, even for a second, because I, I crammed every, every minute of my life with productivity. And for what? Yeah, and this is sort of what I, our society, like, venerates. It venerates, you know, foregoing anything that's meaningful to you and just kind of fucking, you know just making yourself the best sort of cog in the machine. Not to sound too much like a sort of like hippie, but it's like, yo, cause, cause I do believe in like work and I do believe it's generally something that, you know, fu- is fulfilling in people's lives. But some of this stuff, it's like, how can anyone do this and live? Sorry about that, dude. I just got an Amber alert. <laughs> about what? I don't know. Uh, Red Chevrolet, check media. I'm not going to bother to do that. Oh, there's a I, cop. Yeah, this is wild. Be sure not to get shot. I'm white. I'm good. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, you know, like, like, what do we... What do we hold up in our culture? What is seen as the most valuable thing? It's wealth and fame. Neither of which will bring you any fucking happiness. But that's what we were told to pursue. I, I listened to Steve Harvey, the the guy who hosts Family Feud. And he says, you know, successful people do not sleep eight hours a night. And that pisses me off, dude, because he's telling you to forego sleep in order to chase that check. Yeah, I mean, this isn't behavior which should be incentivized. No. It's the same thing with, like, you know, maybe this is kind of not really related, but, like, you know, something like sex where, like, the worst behavior is incentivized. Like, the people who like are most cynical and about it who don't you know surrender to love or whatever are the people who are most successful and i don't think this is necessarily the right way to you know word it but the sexual marketplace oh yeah I've, well fuck i mean like neoliberalism is all about disconnecting you from from everything that makes life meaningful and turning you into a commodity turning your under neoliberalism, labor is a commodity. So yeah, of course they want to make you like depersonalize even the most like intimate experience because having uh, uh, connections outside of your workplace makes it harder for your uh, labor to be traded. Yeah, I mean, really. And it's this kind of thing where it's like something to be bought and sold. Like it's something like okay, so this person like fucks me good, and this person, you know. I don't know, like, hangs out with me sometimes, and another person, you know, I don't know, plays chess with me, and, like, relationships (laughs) with people are just compartmentalized into, like, you know, certain, like, 
people who you know you should love are like compartmentalized into things like that are just kind of like services to you you know what i mean yeah absolutely i was uh i was listening to this homeless guy talk about life earlier for some reason everyone got this video and they recommended and he was like talking about how you know shit is so like depersonalized now you know nobody wants to have a conversation they just want to to use you kind of as like a, a tool yeah for for clout for whatever for influence and that's what that's what dale carnegie advocates in his uh his famous book by the way he advocates you view every relationship as transactional uh he tells you how to manipulate people in order to gain influence and power it's sick oh <laughs> That fucking book. My mom used to one uh, used to like make me like read that shit, and I'm like, I'm not gonna read this shit ever. It's so dumb. It's it's all like neoliberal, but yeah, that's so true. And it's like, um, fuck, I lost my thought, but it was uh, it was something related to like. Uh... Anyway, no, you can talk. I, I forgot what I was gonna say, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's shit happens. It's called I don't know ADHD or something. Yeah, you know that's the uh, the two second attention span. I think that I think that like not ADHD is almost encouraged in American culture, like not paying attention to one thing for too long. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's this kind of thing where you know I couldn't really even like play a game of chess because I was like, oh, I'm, I need to check my phone about something or you know something like that, you know. Things like, and I couldn't read for such a long time because I was just on my phone all the time because it yeah. gives you like these sort of, you know, like consistent uh, instant gratification. Yeah, gratification of like dopamine. And it's like, well, great, you know, like this kind of like, you know, in capitalist realism by Mark Fisher, I believe it was called like shit like ADHD and dyslexia aren't really disorders, but they're just natural uh, natural uh, responses to the system in which we live. Like, yeah, right. You know, I, I once saw this book on the shelves, like, dyslexia, the hidden power of it or whatever. Oh, my like, God. Are you serious? I mean, and then I'm like, oh, shit, like, it probably is actually, like, a superpower in modern society because there's no incentive to, like, look at something and to read about it for a long time. You know, it makes more sense to sort of absorb information in this kind of, like, uh, almost, like, schizophrenic, like, disoriented way. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I had to quit Twitter and Reddit and all of that after a while because I realized... You know, consuming information solely in bite-sized chunks, which is how the media feeds you information. You're encouraged to only read the headline, you're encouraged to only watch the 30-second clip, whatever. Encouraging media in bite-sized chunks totally stunts your attention span. It makes it so you can't get through a fucking movie, you can't get through a book, you can't get through anything longer than, like, two paragraphs. Uh, It's not good. But it's it's part of like what I was saying earlier, which is the media stunting the American IQ at seventy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the kind of guy who like uses IQ because these people actually might technically like have like high IQs, but yeah, generally their like ability to like you know have an intelligent conversation or to you know 
and just even like you know absorb any information longer than you know a paragraph is you know completely uh, completely you know stunted so a lot of people who, who like use twitter will tell you this much like like oh only consuming information in, in 280 character bytes has like got me all fucked up and i can't read anymore yeah i mean generally social media is something you should generally keep to a minimum i mean I, i'm not on twitter that often anymore thankfully thankfully i guess That's i'm not that funny I, I guess i'm not that funny because my tinder uh, my not my tinder my twitter account has just fucking you know never gotten any followers or any likes so thankfully about that but yeah generally I keep s- off of it yeah no, i still i was able to accumulate f- like 400 something followers before uh Jack Dorsey gave my account a banhammer for saying that Howard Schultz's head should be cut off. <laughs> That's a good one. I wish I had access to that. How old were you when that happened? I was like 14. <laughs> <laughs> Damn well, based. I know, like, fuck. I, I, I'd been given like three warnings before for like, like saying that that one reporter, that Greg guy on a forte, you remember that guy, the uh, representative? The one that he body slammed. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I said they deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he deserved it for being a journalist, probably, you know. Well, he was, like, making... I forget what his post was. He made this terrible fucking article about Bernie as a rapist or something. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I wish that Greg Ann Forte hurt you a little more. I mean, I personally do think journalists should get beaten up if they, you know, do whack shit like that. Yeah, I think they're fucking... I think journalists, they, they... Again, back to the victim culture thing. Just because the president, like, like sends them mean tweets, they want to act like, like this is the new Nazi Reich and they're being persecuted. Like, I wish... Well, I don't wish it was the new Nazi Reich, but I wish Trump actually was on tough on... As, uh, tough as tough on journalists as, he, as, you know, they say he is. Because maybe they'll fucking start behaving if... Some, you know, we let, you know, the state come down on them for, you know, misinforming the public. Well, I think that, like, you know, I wouldn't trust Trump to be, like, impartial about it. You know, because he clearly, I mean, now he's going to Fox News because they aren't uh, supporting him enough. Now he's all about the uh, One America News Network. But, like, yeah, I mean, if if we were fucking prosecuting... Uh, journalists for spreading around disinformation that was provably disinformation, then yeah, that would be awesome. They would start actually getting their act together. The failing New York Times. Exactly. I mean, this is garbage. I mean, I do see these people, and the thing about it is that these people, like, you can say that, you know, they're libtards or they're, you know, they're, you know, they're out of touch. But the worst thing about them is that they're just not smart. They're not exceptional people. I mean, you saw oh. that uh, Barry Weiss interview with uh, with Joe Rogan where she used the word, uh, like she said, Tulsi Gabbard is an Assad toady. And, and then oh. Joe Rogan's like, what's a toady? And then she didn't know what the fuck it was. Yeah, no, Barry Wise is an exceptionally stupid person. I don't know how she got into her position, but I'd imagine it's through, like, some nepotism. Because that's where a lot of these, like, wealthy people just kind of funnel their kids into, like, uh, you know, their think tanks. And then from there, they're able to, to write articles in the New York Times or the fucking Huffington Post with a little tagline that's like, hey, 
this person's a fellow at the Manhattan Institute or whatever. Yeah, it's like this thing. It's like these are the people giving us the news. This is the. I I wouldn't even support like uh, like saying oh well we'll set up a tribunal which proves if something is disinformation. What I support is like you know. Uh, assuming we get like a S- Stalinist dictatorship in the U.S., like the state just coming down on anything that's against that state, like that's what I support. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would support that if the state was like you know good and they were and the journalists were undermining it. But you know, obviously, it's not something I would yeah. like if you know it was like a Pinochet type regime. Yeah, I or, suppose. Yeah. Or Janine Anya's the the new dictator of Bolivia. I was reading that she was cracking down pretty hard on journalists. For like reporting on her human rights abuses. Yeah, I suppose maybe it's maybe it's just my hatred of journalists coming out too hard. But I really don't like these people at all. Who? How many good? Some... Yeah, I, I think uh, Glenn Greenwald is pretty good. I, I can't. I, I like him. <laughs> you, you might you might not you know you might think this is kind of like a shitty opinion, but honestly, I, I don't really have a problem with someone like Michael Tracy. <laughs> Michael Tracy gets on my nerves just because, like, he doesn't come up with unique takes. He's just a contrarian. Like, whatever the popular dominating opinion on Twitter is, he is, he'll come up with a Medium article about how that's wrong. Although, I mean, I followed him throughout 2016. I was 14 at the time. But, uh... I mean, I wasn't really into, like, the Twitter sphere at that time. I was more into, like, 4chan and, like, Facebook shit posting groups. So I didn't find out about Michael Tracy until, like, 2019. Yeah, I mean, Michael Tracy, like, as far as I can tell, he was challenged multiple times to, like, denounce Trump, and he literally couldn't do it because it would not be, he would not be contrarian if he did. So now all of his followers are, like, queuing on people because all the the leftists got pushed away. Yeah, generally. I just kind of support pissing off, like, Twitter leftists, though, because in all ways they're really just, like, consummately, you know, part of the system and they don't provide any challenge to it and probably they're probably the system's foremost advocates, you know, probably. Fuck, I mean, like... Like, this is not saying much, but, like, I feel like Reddit leftists are somehow, like, more likely to overthrow the government than Twitter leftists. Because, I mean, Reddit leftists tend to be a little more base. Yeah. And and Reddit fucking sucks. It's awful. I hate that website. Yeah. But it's somehow better than Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know much about Reddit leftists, but yeah, I mean, anything is probably better than Twitter leftists. But you you come to think about this, and I'm like, should I even identify as a leftist anymore? Because, like, the left is, like, just so fucked, and it's like, they're just (laughs) into the dumbest shit, and I'm like, maybe I should just call myself, like, an independent or something. I'm not even sure that the left label even applies to me anymore. See, you know, I just, I call myself like a Marxist Leninist, but uh I, I I don't identify I don't call myself a leftist though, because like that that term has been so so or communist or socialist. Even though I technically am all of those things. It's because like those all those words have the have the marks of soy on them. <laughs> exactly. 
in my personal opinion, it's like you can tell a lot about a person like just by looking at them and by their appearance. Like, yes, it's true. It, Phrenology is real. It, it absolutely is real, as is physiognomy. Like, if someone is like fat and has like gross boils on their body, you know, they're probably a gross person on the inside as well. I think it's, you know, honestly, I've been reading into, I don't know why, but I've been torturing myself with a lot of fat acceptance shit. Alright, I think it's probably more true of women than men. Because these, like, fat women are like a dog from hell, man. They're all, like, entitled, you know, selfish pricks. Whereas, like, I've had, like, I've met, you know, good fat men before. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, fat men are generally better, but I think one of the reasons for that is, like, with this sort of onset of, like, thick culture, a lot of fat women have been able to be pretty sexually successful. So, you know, they think they're the shit because they can get, like, tons of guys to have sex with them. Yeah, well, you know, real women have curves. Oh, great. This this kind of thing disgusts me, maybe because I'm, you know, people have called me, like, a gay pedophile or something, but I've never been into, like, this thick curve kind of thing, so it's something which has, you know, which I'm really emotionally against. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> well, I, I, for some reason, was tormenting myself with, with both fat acceptance shit and, like, pro-anorexia shit. You know, pro-anorexia shit is the darkest, most sinister thing I've come across in a while. You know, it's like these blogs out there encouraging women, like, hey, anorexia is just a, a way of life. It's legit as anyone else. Some tips on how to stave off your hunger pains. And the fat acceptance people are like, don't listen to, to diet culture. Uh, it's, it's evil and ableist. And I'm like, both of these things need to be fucking suppressed. These are actively harming people. Yeah, I mean, I was... um. Back in the day, in my Facebook shitposting days, I sort of built up a following of, like, ten people who used to like everything I did and who used to, you know, no matter what I said, they're like, oh, you're so right, you know, because they're, like, dumb people who don't really get it. So what I started doing was I started, like, doing, like, like, um, spewing up such absurd, like, opinions (laughs) with, like... With, like, no, like, backing or whatever. Like, and I remember the first or second one I did was, um, it was, like, um, actually, anorexia is a good thing because it, like, helps women, like, you know, come over, like, uh, like, obesity or something. And then everyone, like, celebrated that opinion. I'm, like, (laughs) I mean, I just, like, have to wonder, you know, how many people have been killed by, like, pro-anorexia shit? Or pro f- or fat acceptance shit because I think the fat acceptance is more mainstream. Yeah, I think yeah. pro Anna. I don't think anorexia really kills very many people. Honestly, I think you know it's something like I don't know what the statistics are, but I think fat uh, fat acceptance is something which is far more dangerous to us, our society. Uh, I just I read that like anorexia is like the deadliest mental disorder to have. Oh uh, really. Yeah, you know Karen Carpenter from the one band. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of her. She died from it. Yeah, I mean, generally the thing with anorexia, though, is it's that it's like suppressing a desire well. Fat acceptance is, uh, it, it supports indulging in a desire. So I generally think 
fat acceptance will naturally be more popular because it's it, it's sort of you know it's just like okay just do everything you want oh yeah and uh, actually you're right i think fat acceptance also like appeals to people's innate desire to be a victim than than pro anna shit does you know because when you go into the fat acceptance shit you can uh you hear about thin privilege so nonsense like that garbage about how fat people are oppressed because they have to pay more for their clothes so yeah i, I mean fat acceptance probably like and also more people are fat than are anorexic yeah i mean obesity is probably the biggest killer in this country i, I read all this shit about like smoking causing so many deaths but it's like Japan, you know, everyone smokes there, and they have one of the highest life expectancies in the world. I think the real problem is here that everyone's just fat as shit. And the thing, and as uh, one of our friends said, um, it's like if you die of lung cancer, you, you, you're dead within a year. If you die of, like, heart, a heart attack or, like, multiple heart attacks, you're suffering for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, fuck. Like... People want to romanticize the uh, the fat way of life, you know. It's like, oh, I can truly fulfill my desires and shit. Wait until you're like bed bound, covered in fucking sores, with your own feces uh, covering your body, and then you fall out of bed and die because nobody, because you pushed everyone who cared about you away. Yeah, that's that, how's that for the fat way of life? Yeah, it's really a horrible thing to do to someone to tell them that their self-destructive behaviors are actually good for them. Just because you think you're being nice doesn't mean you aren't, you know, uh, essentially setting them on a path of completely destroying their lives. Oh, yeah, and nobody would advocate, like, like drunk acceptance. Anything like, like, oh, drinking all the time is a legitimate way of life, and if someone tells you otherwise... They, they are ableist and don't want what's best for you. Nobody would advocate that because we all understand that drinking is, is poison and will yeah. ruin your body. Yeah, you I can't mean, apply that to food. Yeah, I mean, I smoke and, you know, I know it's dangerous and I know I'm probably going to die at like 55 or 60, but, you know, I, I don't expect people to come and tell me, oh, well, smoking is actually great and it's so healthy and you know there should be well i think there should be smoking acceptance because i think smokers are the most depressed minorities <laughs> but um but i mean it's like i i know what i'm doing to myself and i don't ex i i honestly would find it demeaning if someone came up and was like oh this is actually good and you're actually you know it's so condescending yourself. yeah you know I, I i smoke weed occasionally i mean i haven't in like half a year at this point but uh you know a, a lot of these potheads seem so determined seem so hell-bent on proving that like weed is good for you i don't understand why because you can support legalization without without saying that it's good for you man like like nobody who drinks or smokes deludes themselves into thinking that what they're doing is good f for them why why are potheads like this? Why why do they have to convince themselves that uh that it's actually gonna cure their cancer or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. I think some people, like particularly dumb people, are just so dumbfounded by the experience of being high and they think it's some kind of like transcendental thing which like like they're seeing into another dimension or something. So <laughs> that's the reason why they think it's like something which is so great for them. 
know I mean, what I mean? Yeah, DMT, like, hallucinogenic users, too. I mean, I've used hallucinogens. But again, I'm not convinced that this is, like, like a secret cure, miracle cure to cancer that the government is suppressing. <laughs> it's just... I mean, I haven't, you know, smoked weed in, I think, about two years now. The last time I did it, I was in high school. I, it's not something I like. It's, you know, generally something which makes me paranoid. But, yeah, I don't really get... I, I, yeah, I mean, potheads are particularly the people who annoy me the most. And especially, like, I, I'm, like, might be against pot legalization at this point because, like, Back when I was in university, before I dropped out, um, um, everywhere I used to walk, like, smelled like pot, and I'm like, I don't want to fucking live here if this is, like, (laughs) going to be everywhere I go. Yeah, I mean, I was talking, I I had the dreadful experience of talking with someone on Reddit about this. Uh, You know, I I immediately stopped after one reply, because I'm like, I'm not going to waste my finite time on Reddit. But like you know, what is what is even the communist line on drugs? And I was basically saying you know the war on drugs has been just totally destructive to African American communities, to to uh, Latino communities, stuff like that. It's been a colossal failure too, and cost trillions of dollars. I I I just don't see a communist state or socialist state being successful in a, a war on drugs on the, of their own. Yes. And this guy, he seems so optimistic. He said that, like, once you meet people's fundamental needs, you know, the desire for drugs will just go away. Silly. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And yeah, I mean, and first of all, I think what people have to acknowledge is that the point of the war on drugs isn't to stop drugs. It's to incarcerate thousands of or hundreds yep. of thousands of people and, you know, to, you know, pretty much make a labor source, among other things, which, I mean, we could we could start a podcast just based on that discussion, but... Yep. I mean, yeah, but generally it's just something which won't work, and I, I'm not sure if I support, like, generally, like, just, like, drugs being something you buy, like you buy groceries, but it's something where it's like, okay, we live in, you know, uh, part of the world where drugs will just naturally, you know, be you know, right down south from the border. So probably the best thing to do is to sort of, like, integrate them into the economy in some way. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's what I've believed is, like, you know, putting, even in, like, a before transition to a hypothetical socialist society, even, like, right now, this being implementing under capitalism, is, like, just all of the, the drug industries including, like, alcohol and cigarettes being put under state control. So, you know, number one, you're not seeing any advertising of it, you know, and number two, you're not seeing them put, like, shit into it to make it more addictive because, you know, they're not going to be deriving a profit from it. Uh, You know, number three, yeah, exactly, just taking the profit motive out of it because all of these companies, you know, say Marlboro, fucking uh, Bud Light, they are all motivated they all have an incentive to get as many people addicted to their product as possible. If you take that profit motive out, it's going to be so much help. It's going to be so much better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, 
I'm not necessarily sure on the whole like cigarette branding thing because I know what they have in fucking Europe where they have pictures of dead people on it. And I'm like, okay, great, thanks for <laughs> thanks for that. I don't want to have that on my fucking cigarette pack. <laughs> but um, that shit's horrifying. I, I think like, people like, and people water. like collect them. It's like collect all of the dead people on the cigarette packs. <laughs> But it's like, no, I generally don't support the state like acting in kind of a condescending way to you where it's like, this is bad for you. Don't do this, you know? Yeah, it's awful. It's like, well, well fuck you. I know what I'm doing here. I liked, uh, I liked John Oliver's, you know, I know John Oliver's, but I liked his uh, solution to that uh, where, you know, you make the mascot of the cigarette companies like, you know, a diseased lung or something. Like a little cartoon character. Maybe wearing a cowboy hat. I mean, this is the kind of thing, this is talked about in capitalist realism, where um, <laughs> I'm kind of exposing like the only book I've read in the past year. But, um, it's a good one, so I don't, you know, I don't blame you. Yeah, but um, it's like this sort of paternalism without a, st- without a father. It's like, the state, not not necessarily even the state, like sometimes private entities, like telling you what's good for you, you know, without it actually like being from like a father figure or something. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a, Bernie Sanders talked about this back in the seventies when he was based. Uh, he kind of laid out like a lot of these laws that we have in place are coming from uh, uh the morality, the private morality. The lawmakers that are paternalistically regulating your behavior in accordance with what they see as as correct, like they're a father figure, you know, making sure that their child stays in line. That's the way a lot of corporations talk to you. Is they talk down to you. They they tell you that you're inadequate in order to create a demand for their product. They tell you that you know. You aren't cool unless you buy this watch, or you know they connect your desire for family with a car, you know shit like that. They all, all the masters of humanity are talking down to you. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, who are you to say that shit to me? I mean, you, you literally like <laughs> like thousands of people like fucking die in your fucking you know factories and shit. I mean. Like, people don't realize this, but, like, people die from, like, sheer incompetence of, like, fucking elites. Like, yes, Boeing Airlines should have been fuck the, the executives of that company should have been fucking hanged after those two planes crashed in fucking Ethiopia and Indonesia. But no, yeah. they just got a fucking bailout from the fucking government. Which yeah. kind of shows that, you know, it's not really the corporations which are subservient to the state, but it's the state which is subservient to the corporations. Yeah, I mean, like, you said uh, it best back in, like, episode one, where it's like, you know, in America, state is subservient to corporate power, and then in China, it's the corporate power that's subservient to the state. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I, like there's a different moral code that is applied to, to elites, you know? Uh, in fucking uh, West Germany, the, the, fuck, the Krupp family, they worked, like, 250,000 people to death. And they were allowed to be, like, free men and contract with the state. And they weren't, they weren't tried for genocide with uh, the Nazi Reich. 
even though they were collaborators. Yeah. A different morality applied to corporation. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like this thing where they don't care about the lives of anyone and they have no incentive to care about the lives of anyone. Because even if it does go south, they're going to get a fucking bailout. You know? Well, that's the thing is, even if there was a, a bourgeois CEO who cared about the, the lives of his he would be undermined and outcompeted by someone who didn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so yeah. the reason why those two Boeing planes crashed was because they wanted to quickly get something out which would compete with um would compete with Airbus's new plane and part of the thing was they didn't want there to be a lot of pilot training so they pretty much didn't tell the pilots they gave the pilots a 2 hour iPad course on driving the new plane and the pilots didn't even know what to do in it and that's why it crashed yeah, I mean, like, uh, you see that a lot where, you know, the profit motive can can do some good things, I guess, I'm sure. But, you know, it, it also drives Volkswagen to fake their emissions tests and, and wine companies in Austria to put shit in their, their alcohol that poisons people because it's cheaper. Uh, I think that the, the truest representation of the free market you will find is in the drug industry. I think that, because that is totally, the black market is totally uh, separated. It's not regulated at all. And people routinely die because people have a motive to cut drugs with, with cheaper shit. Yeah. That's the, what the profit motive does. I mean, you, you hear it all the time with people who do LSD, you know. Uh, they use some fake shit, which, which sometimes kills people. And, you know, like no one cares. And the weird thing about it is that people go back to their dealers after their dealer sold them that shit, which could have killed them. I still think I think it, the funniest shit about that is is because the uh, cheap LSD substitute is called an N bomb. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, like like ANCAPs, you know, the the biggest autists in politics, basically the flat earthers of politics. All of them are 12. And, you know, they basically want to turn every single industry into the drug industry. So you got, like, like warring factions, car dealerships, you know, competing for control over, for monopoly over a city. You know, yeah. shit like that. Yeah. I mean, there's this sort of cringe libtard joke, which is like, <laughs> You've probably heard it. Um, what is it? Um, what the fuck is her name? Ayn Rand, uh, Ron Paul, and Frederick Hayek walk into a bar. They all die because there's no um, no alcohol regulations. <laughs> such a sh it's such a bad joke, but I heard it so many years ago, and it's so true. Yeah, well, in the ANCAP theory, you know people would see that happen and they would just simply go to another bar. And it's like, what if the people who own the bar that's selling people poison, you know, get a private army and go and burn down competitors? What yeah. if that? And I also, mean, what if every bar is, is giving people poison because it's cheaper and they can't compete with the ones that uh, are cutting their alcohol? Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. ANCAP is like the dumbest thing which is I ever. think it's the dumbest. Yes. 
it would collapse in two seconds. And ANCAP decided to get rid of the government, which is the only thing, you know, Lenin describes. The government is the only thing keeping the the classes from consuming each other. Uh, If you get rid of it, yeah, the classes are going to, to eat each other alive. Yeah. And it's kind of this, you know, system which doesn't even make much, you know, sense because it's like, corp, uh, like companies act in, you know, concordance and in association with, with, you know, the state. It's not just like they're almost entities which are like partially, you know, part of the state. So I don't really like the system is like so like interconnected where it's to the point where it's like. Can you really separate the functions of the state from the functions of corporations? They're almost like one and the same, and this is just a very large system. I mean, yeah, and you need the state to uphold private property. I mean, yeah, private property rights do not exist unless the state recognizes them. If if there's no state, then it's just going to be whoever has the most guns can cl- lay claim to the most property. Yeah. You're just going with feudalism. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's, it's so awesome. I love it. You know, what? What? I think that ANCAPs have like a, a fewer uh, uh, successful states than anarchists, or fewer states in general. I mean, what are the two ANCAP? I don't know, Somalia, maybe. And uh... I think yeah, Somalia, the Kowloon walled city. And uh, Pinochet's Chile, all of which were fucking awful. And uh, I guess Libya, you could call kind of ANCAP at this point, because they have fucking slave markets now. Yeah, that's another thing, is slavery was a product of the free market, you know, it's the cheapest labor possible. Humans were traded like commodities. That would come back under anarcho-capitalism. You'd have poor, desperate people selling themselves into slavery. Yeah, of course. I mean, and you kind of have that nowadays, of course, with uh, with the incarceration system, but it would probably be even worse, because these people, you know, the slaves wouldn't, I mean, not the slaves, the owners wouldn't be accountable to anyone. They're no. Just, yeah, millions, <laughs> I'd say millions of people would probably die. It'd be so fucking awesome, dude. And but you know, of course, it's the most—it's uh, the most philosophically sound theory. Yeah, I mean, I think theory is dumb and cringe. Honestly, I think it's like you see the world as it is, it's, and you know, you sort of try to act to better out, you know, better people's lives within that system. I don't really, honestly, get that much. Like, I understand like being somewhat, you know, well-read on theory, but it's like sometimes it's like. People just start quoting books and shit, which, like, oh, if you haven't read Bakun and you don't know enough about this, and I'm like, okay, great. Well, not really. I, mean, I like, you know, I like some theory as it, like, you know, it provides a context to view history in or lens to view society through. Because that's, yeah. what, that's what ideology basically is. It's like a lens through which you view society. And I think, like, you know, Marxist theory, ANCAP theory, whatever... Provides a, a way of seeing the world. That's yeah. what I like about it. Yeah, I mean, I've never been a big theory guy. I might like, I might read like an abridged version of Capital, but no, it's not something I care much about at this point. 
I was going to David Harvey's reading guide for it, you know. <laughs> we'll give it a shot. Anyway, um, I think we've been at this for about an hour and a half. Uh, nice. I'm just going to, unless you want to talk more, I'm just going to end it now. Uh,